Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good, 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 good. Whew. Can we just give it up again for our worship team this morning? My goodness. I don't just do that to stall while I'm moving my podium. It, I really mean it. They're, uh, they're incredible. And uh, we're grateful for them. And really all of our volunteers. We have so many people that do so many things around here to make this happen that do not get paid. They are not on the payroll or anything like that. And uh, that's what church is. It's not a staff. It is a family, a body of believers that come together, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week and serve one another and walk with one another, all for the glory of Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So, um, you know, the Bible is full of, we'll call them interesting stories. Uh, that's kind of a safe word, right? Uh, where if, you're, if you study the Bible and you read the word and you don't every once in a while, once in a while go, wait, what? You know, as you're reading, then, then you're not looking closely enough or you're, you haven't had your coffee yet as, as you're reading. You're just kind of skimming the words because there are a lot of, wait, what? Moments in the Bible uh, that are just abnormal than what we would see in our everyday life, right? But we serve a God who uh, is beyond our vision, right, and our realities. And so uh, this morning, we are going to look at one of those, as I call them again, interesting stories. And it's really what two of the songs that we sang about this morning are based off of. We sang uh, Lisa Leather's song, Dry Bones, uh, Come Alive, Dry Bones. And then we just sang a song called Rattle, where the dry bones are rattling. And so I thought, you know, if we're doing two songs based off the same story, it might be a good idea to talk about this story so we understand what in the world we're singing. All right, because otherwise it's just a catchy tune and it doesn't really resonate with us at least as much as it should or as it could and so that's what we're going to do this morning we're going to kind of piggyback off of last week's theme of our uh, study of Joshua and Caleb and in that whole process of living by faith and not by sight if you missed last week's sermon you can go on our website it's on there and you can check it out Um, but we're going to kind of continue on that with a totally different story uh, but with the same principles and that is living by faith not by sight. And so we're going to look in Ezekiel chapter 37. And Ezekiel is a prophet. And what Ezekiel 37 is, it is a, it is a uh, painting of a picture of God's vision that he gives to Ezekiel. And so what we're seeing here is a vision that Ezekiel is having. And he's writing this down and he's having this discussion with the Lord during, uh, in it. Okay, so let's start in verse 1. It says, the Lord took hold of me. This is Ezekiel talking. And he said, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Okay, so let's just go ahead and stop right there. What is happening? There is this valley and the entire ground is covered with bones. You can't see the floor. You can't see the ground. Bones everywhere. And what I think is very interesting right off the bat about this story is what it says that God does in verse 2. It says that he led me all around. In other words, I think God wanted to show Ezekiel, look, this isn't a mirage, what you're seeing. We're not going to look out from this distant down on this valley, and maybe that's bones, but maybe it's not. Right? He wanted to take him and lead him all around this valley floor. Say, come look with me. So that you can know for sure that what you're seeing is actually there. It kind of reminds me of like if you ever watch a magician and he hands you the deck of cards. He's like, hey, touch it, feel it. It's real. It's real, right? Okay. You know, everything, the sword is real. Everything's real. You know, but this isn't an illusion because he wants you to see that what he's about to do is real. It's kind of that same thing to me. God's saying, all right, Ezekiel, here's this valley of dry bones, but I'm going to walk you around because I want you to make sure that you know that what you see is what you're actually seeing. And this isn't a mistake. 
Okay, so he leads them around, leads them around this entire valley, and it's covered with bones. It is like, it's, it's this boneyard of just an expanse that his eyes just, that's all he sees. And there's two things about these bones that I want to discuss that, ha- that are of the utmost importance, that are really the weight of this story, in my opinion. And the first is that these bones are out above the ground. You see, in, in these days, back then in the, in the Bible, and even really today, but especially then, the burial process was a very formal and, and real process. It was something that families took uh, just huge considerations towards, was burying the dead. And it took a long time, and they wrapped them, and they put perfumes and spices on them. They would fill the tombs with, with gifts to bury the dead with. And so what God is painting in this picture with Ezekiel is a bunch of bones that have not been buried. It's a bunch of bodies and people, because these bones were people at one time, have just been discarded. And they've been tossed aside, not buried, not taken care of, not honored, not thought about. They died, and they were thrown to the side in this valley to rot and decompose and let all the buzzards and vultures and all that just pick at them. And that was how they were buried. They weren't. And the other thing that I want to point out is what the adjective about these bones says, that they were dry bones. If you're a dry bone, that means you've been out there for a long time. The bones have completely dried up. These discarded, not thought of bones that were people at one time are all dried up. And I believe the point that God is trying to hammer to Ezekiel with this vision and this illustration is a picture of complete and utter hopelessness. He's saying they've been discarded and they've been out there left for dead for a long, long time. Time has passed them by and they're not being thought of anymore. These dry bones. And I'm going to ask you all right off the bat, are there any of you in here that feel like a valley of dry bones right now? That you feel like you've been discarded. You, you feel like you've been forgotten about. And you've been just laid out in the sun to bake and rot and have the buzzards come and pick you apart. And now you are nothing but a valley of dry bones. I believe God wants to speak to us this morning about that very thing. About that very thing. Listen, you know, last week, the study of Joshua and Caleb, I, I love that study because there was all these little bits and pieces with all these other, these cool little points all throughout the story. But for today... How we're looking at Ezekiel 37, this is a one-point message. And I'm going to give it away to you right now. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. If you are sitting in in your seat right now, if you are watching online, in your living room, in your home, wherever you might be, God is telling you, don't lose hope. And we're going to see why right now as we continue to read through this story. Amen? Verse 3, so after God has him go around and check out these bones, he says, then he asked me, I love when God asks those questions. He says, then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Okay, I'm just going to be real honest with you all right now. If this book was titled James McDonald, and we were reading James McDonald, chapter 37, verse 3, God would ask this, can these bones become alive again? And I would go, no, dude. No, they cannot come alive. They are bones, all right? Like, God, are you not seeing the picture here? 
Like in every other instance where someone was raised from the dead, they weren't bones yet. There was at least a corpse. My God, you got to let me work with something here. You ever watch those National Geographic like digging expedition shows where they're, you know, the archaeologists are in, the, in wherever they're at, Montana or wherever around the world, and they're looking for, you know, uh, dinosaur bones, and they got the brushes. You know what you never see on those shows? Like once they, once they brush all the dirt away and, and the, the skeleton is formed, they know what kind of species it is. No one ever says, get back, it might come to life. I think it's a velociraptor. We should all leave in case it comes back to life. You never hear that. Why? Because they're bones. And they've been there a long time. The threat is over. I don't, I don't watch those uh, medical drama shows, and I'm not judging any of you who do. Maybe a little bit. But the reason I don't watch them is because the storylines are just ridiculous. I mean, you'll, they'll, you'll have someone come in out of the ambulance into the ER, and they have like a piece of rebar right through their skull, coming out of their eyeball, directed back into their heart, bomb strapped to their chest, you know, their leg is hanging off with just blood spewing everywhere, and we can save him. No, you know, we, we got this. Get him into the OR. Clear. And suddenly the guy's like, I'm, I, I'm fine. You will never see on one of those shows an EMT run into the ER with a, you know, a stretcher. Like, what do we got? We got some bones. <laughs> Take them to the OR. Let's remember, clear. You know, it's stupid. They're bones. No, God. No. Would be my answer. It's a crazy question. What do you mean can these bones come to life again? Can they become living people? But as crazy as this question is, Ezekiel gives an even crazier answer. He says, O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Translation, God, if you want to do it, you'll do it. And if you don't, you won't. But it's not a question of your ability. It's a question of your will. Ezekiel is, is, is looking at this valley of dry bones and what he sees is bones, but what he knows is God is a powerful God. And if God wants to do something, all he has to do is speak it and it will be. So his answer is, is, is an answer of authority and ability. Yes, God, you are able, and it's just a matter if you say so or not. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. You might feel discarded. Your situation might feel discarded. You might feel like you've been out there forever. But we serve a God who is very, very, very powerful. It says, Then he said to me, verse 4, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Pretty awesome thing here, but there's, there's something in there really small that I think carries a lot of weight that stuck out to me when I was reading this. And it's how Ezekiel speaks to the bones. He says, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. He's telling the bones 
to listen to God. Okay? When God speaks, it's not just us who hear him. All of creation has to be obedient to the commands of the Lord. Every tree, every bush, every ocean and sea and mountain and valley, every situation that you're in, every sickness, every demonic assignment over your children, all of it, everything under God listens to the voice of God. How incredible is that, that bones can hear the word of God. And so when Ezekiel says it, listen, you got to listen. Listen, bones, to the word of God. And you know what they do? Spoiler alert. They listen. They listen. So don't ever think for a second when you're praying over something that it's just a conversation between you and God. Because when he speaks, he's going to speak to that thing as well as you. Amen? And so, here's a point, though, that we need to understand. It's one thing to say something. It's another thing to mean it. I'm talking to your parents right now, real quick. You ever have, you, if you have multiple children, and your kids are fighting, and you say, hey, say sorry to your sister right now. Sorry. <laughs> I move on, right? Well, that was just so emotional. Thank you for that as a parent. They might say they're sorry, but they don't mean it. And how about this? Adults, you might say sorry, but we don't mean it all the time. All right, there's things that we can say, but with God, he wants us to mean it. And as a parent, when, when you got your kid there and they're not saying sorry, you know that your job as a parent is not over. Like when those, that happens with Jesse and me and our, and our girls are fighting, and I say, say you're sorry, sorry, and they storm off. We don't like, awesome parenting job. We did it. And we didn't do anything then. We just made them say two words. We have to teach them what it means to be sorry. And when we are going through something and we feel like a valley of dry bones, and God says, speak this, he is going to tell us to speak it until we mean it because he is working something in us. He is trying to teach something in us. It's not about the situation. It's about us in him and developing our relationship with him. So not only can we speak to our situation, then we can go to other people and we can say, I'm going to speak this over you and I'm going to mean it, even though you can't mean it right now. Yeah. I got to take a deep breath. We know that he means it because he says in verse 7, so I spoke this message just as he told me. I love that line, by the way. Just as he told me. Ezekiel didn't look at the situation and say, okay, God, this is, this is what you told me to say, but I'm going I'm to manipulate it. I'm going to change it just a little bit to kind of fit the context a little bit more because of what I see. He speaks just as God told him to. Pure obedience there. I want that. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies. But they still had no breath in them. So he does exactly what God has told him to do. And I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon on this. He says, if we, listen y'all, if we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the word of God. We got to start doing what God says. 
we got to start speaking out his word. Listen, I really believe part of the problem that we're not seeing this revival yet is because us believers, the church, have lost a reverence for God. He is holy and he is powerful right now in heaven. He is on the throne and there are angels flying all around him saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We serve a powerful, powerful God. And we've lost reverence for him. Ezekiel didn't lose that reverence. He said, God, if you want to do it, you'll do it. And God says, okay, now I'm going to put it on you and you speak. And he says, okay, I'm going to say exactly what you say. Not just because he was wanting to be obedient, because he revered God and his authority and his power. God is holy, y'all. He is holy. He is bigger. He is so much bigger than anything going on in this world. He's so much bigger. And at the snap of his finger, he can move. But we have to start having reverence for his word. And when he speaks to us and not go, you know what, God, I don't really feel like it. God, that's a little bit more than I can handle. God, that, that valley of dry bones is awfully big. And they've been out there a long time. So I don't think I can do that. But what if we instead just said, okay, God, I'm going to do exactly what you say. You know what we're going to do? We're going to hear a rattle. We're going to hear a rattle. The rattle's just the beginning, though. The rattle is just the beginning. Verse 9, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. See, up until this point, again, they're just corpses. They're just dead bodies. They're not skeletons anymore, but they're not ready yet. Why? Because the breath of God, which, by the way, is his Holy Spirit, the same word for breath and spirit in Greek is pneuma, which is his Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, Holy Spirit, come in to these corpses and come alive. Come out all of these ashes. Let us see an army rise. It's awesome. So I want to say to you, and I know that I know that there's people watching, that are going to watch this, and that are in this room right now, that you are really struggling with hopelessness, and that is a dark, dangerous path to go down. When you tangle with hopelessness, and I just want to say to you again this morning. Don't lose hope. Don't give up just because you feel discarded, just because you feel like you've been forgotten and you're all dried up and you might even try to go to the Lord and it's just dry. Keep going. Keep going. And don't lose hope this morning. Don't lose hope. Let's skip to verse 11. And, you know, because as I was, as I was preparing this, I, you know, I, I was... I was looking for all sorts of things, and it's like, God, what are you saying in this? And I was just kind of circling the wagons a little bit. God, what are you saying? And then I read verse 11 for like the fifth time, and then finally a light bulb came on, uh, came on, and he says this. It says, then he said to me, son of man, Ezekiel, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. Listen to this. All hope is gone. 
In the Old Testament, the people of Israel are God's chosen people. Today, because of the love of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for us, we are his chosen people. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, we are his chosen people. And I believe some hope is gone. And for some of us, all hope is gone. But here's the awesome thing. God can work with some dry bones. God can do some things with some dry bones. So don't look at your circumstances. Look at your God and say, you can work with this. You can work in this. You can work with me as messed and jacked up as I am. As I keep making the same mistake over and over and I beat myself up, you can work with me. Because I'm a lot more than a valley of dry bones. I still have a pulse. I still have eyes and ears and I can see you and I can hear you and I can read about you and I can worship you and I can pray to you. So you can work with me. He can work with us. We're all messed up. We're just one big boat here and everybody's got a seat at the, you know, on, on the boat. Come on, get on board. It's not just you. It's not just you. And God can work, if he can work with dry bones, he can work with you. You might say, well, James, this is just a vision. This is just an analogy that God gives Ezekiel. This didn't really happen. Like, yeah, it's true. In this chapter, that's true. But, 2 Kings chapter 13, starting in verse 20, says, Then Elisha, who was also an amazing prophet, said he was died and was buried. In the, very, in the same verse, it says, Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. Listen to this. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Don't tell me God can't use bones. God can use some dry bones. And you know what's awesome? What I look, when I see in this room... It ain't dry bones, all right? It's God's chosen people. It's his children. He can work with dry bones. He can work with us. No situation is too far gone. Nothing is too much for God. What we have to start saying is, God, if you want to do it, you will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You have the authority and you have the ability I might see bones, but you see so much more. Romans 15 says this, I believe it's verse 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is our source of hope. If you're feeling hopeless... Don't try this, that, or the other. Don't go to alcohol. Don't go to pornography. Don't start flirting with that coworker. Don't turn to drugs. God is our source of hope, and he's got a lot of it. He's rich in it. He's rich in it. All those other things are chasing after the wind. They might be okay in the moment, but you're going to be right back in the same situation, probably even worse off. God is our source of hope. Run to him. Run to him. Have the band come back up. And I'm going to, this is a verse that I skipped over. 
going back to Ezekiel 37. But it says this in verse 10. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. A great army. So as Ezekiel is seeing this valley of dry bones, people who were discarded, not even buried, left for dead to rot over a long period of time, enough where the bones were completely dried out. As he saw that, God said, you know what I see? I see an army. I see a great army. And so what do we do to revive that hopelessness in our lives? What do we do to draw closer to God so we can replace hopelessness with hope? Well, there's a few things. One is pray. Have other people pray for you. Get in the word. But for this morning right now, and something that we believe at Beaches Chapel fully and holy is to worship the Lord. It's to worship the Lord. And I want to read this story to you about hope, about an army, and about worship. And it's on 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1. It says, After that, the Moabites, Ammonites, and some Mayanites went to war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told him, A huge army is coming from Edom to fight against you. Dropping down to verse 15, it says, Jehaziel said, King Jehoshaphat, listen. All you who live in Judah and Jerusalem, listen. The Lord says to you, do not be afraid. Do not lose hope. Because of this huge army, the battle is not yours. It is God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the paths of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. I'm going to say that again. You will not have to fight this battle. Take your positions. Stand firm. You will see how the Lord will save you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not lose hope. Go out and face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. So here's what Jehoshaphat does in verse 20. Early in the morning, all the people left for the desert of Tekoa. As they started out, Jehoshaphat stood up. He said, Judah, listen to me. People of Jerusalem, listen to me. Have faith in the Lord your God. He'll take good care of you. Have faith in his prophets. Then you will have success. He's not talking about battle formations here. He's not talking about what weapons to take. He's saying to have faith. Verse 21, Jehoshaphat asked the people for advice. Then he pointed men to sing to the Lord. He wanted them to praise the Lord because of his glory and holiness. They marched out in front of the army. They said, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love continues forever. They began to sing and praise him. That is how our hope is restored. I would just want, y'all just close your eyes for a second. Just, just indulge me for a minute. Close your eyes and just picture this army that's going forward, God's army. And in front of them is this choir and they're singing songs. I hear the sound of dry bones rattling. I hear the praise of a dead man walk again. I hear it now come alive. Come on, can you hear it? You're telling me that's not going to fire up the army? Yes, God took dry bones and made an army. But our job is not to fight. 
Our job is to worship. And before we stand, I just want to do one thing. Before we stand, I want to do one thing. Still have your eyes closed, bow your heads. And this morning, if you're battling hopelessness, if you could just, just raise your hand, just put your hand up here right now. Keep it up. All right. Father, thank you, Jesus, that you are a God of hope. You are our source of hope. And nothing is too far gone for you, not even a valley of dry bones. What we see as hopeless, you see as an army. What we see as too much, you see as something that you say, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. So, Father, right now, Jesus, I pray. I pray against, Father, any spirit of hopelessness that would steer us not only away from you, but towards an end that is absolutely not you. Whether it's falling into old habits, whether it's suicide, depression, alcoholism, drug abuse, whatever it might be, God. I just break the power of that right now in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you that you are raising up an army. And Lord, we just repent right now. If we've lost reverence for our holy God, who is so big and so powerful and so loving and so patient. And God, I pray, Jesus, that as you put before us this week, maybe even today, that question of can I do this, that our answer would be, God, only you know the answer. If you want to, yes. And if you don't want to, you won't. But it's not about your ability. Thank you, Jesus, that you are raising up an army but it's not even our fight, God. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand as we worship. We're going to go before heaven's armies. And we're not going to worry about the fight. We're just going to focus on you, Lord God. And we're going to start hearing that sound that comes before the fight, which is the rattle, which is worship, which is our praise to you. And God, we know that dry bones are going to start rattling. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on.